following pendant production contains Hello everyone and welcome to the commentary for season 7 episode 2 of The Kingry. Uh, this one is called Most Eligible for reasons that you'll find out soon. Uh, I'm the director Dave Morgan and with me is our writer Perry Whittle. Hello Perry. Hello Dave. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing today? Good. Um, starting out here with uh, Hannah Jane Condell who she's she's brought a lot of she brought a lot to this little part here of Giselle, the reporter. Uh, she threw in a few ad-libs, which were fun there at the very beginning. Um, and uh, Edward Herman, who is playing Asa now and doing a fabulous job. And this is a nice little uh, setup for the rest of the episode and then stuff going on from here. I, I like that suddenly Asa is the most eligible bachelor after being a homeless guy for six seasons. Yes, that was... Um... That was part of the plot and um, the outline, and um, I was trying to do something there. Mm -hmm. I thought that Giselle, the reporter, sh you know, is one of those reporters who gets stuck with the human interest stories rather than the hard news, and mm -hmm. she's trying to make the best of it here. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I thought you had some nice camera focusing sounds in there, Dave. <laughs> Thanks. It's just a little... I was like, I needed a little something extra here, and I almost thought about putting it through a filter, make it sound like you were watching it through the camera, but I was like. Yeah, not so much. Uh, we've already moved on to the next scene in Brance's office. Uh, uh, we've got uh, Bruce Busby uh, as Officer Cruz making a return. We haven't seen him in a while. Uh, Paul Lavelle as as uh, Captain Brannis. And Aiden Rudd uh, making his debut here as Officer O'Farrell. Right. I don't remember if he did anything last season or not. He's fairly new to Pendant. Yeah, he might have done like a, a first come first serve role or something like that. Maybe so. I'm I'm not positive. Um, but I uh, um, I introduced Officer O'Farrell because I thought Brannis needed an assistant. Mm -hmm. And um, in episode two of last season, I introduced a cop named Fenton, but she was extremely lazy, and I didn't think Brannis would choose her as an assistant, so I made up somebody else. Yeah. Well. He works out, and he, he, I think he's going to be, you know, a good counterpoint here, you know, cause, you know, with losing Richards and now Cruz. I mean, we just got kind of good guy cops, so we need some kind of somebody with a bit more edge, and I think O'Farrell's going to really uh, help out with that coming up here. Yeah. I was a little worried about putting this scene. I wish I could have done it a little bit more economically. I worried that it slowed the pacing to have this long a scene this early in the script um, but I thought I needed it there yeah. um, to cover some plot points before we get to the last scene And yeah. well that's the thing I mean we're still early enough in the season that you know we've got a lot of things from last season we need to wrap up and also yeah. to remind people of since we have that little hiatus here that's right so, so it works out and oh yeah, Brannis is not the acting captain anymore. He's actually the captain. So that's a nice development for him. Right. Congratulations, Paul. Yes. And Kenneth Brannis too. Yes. All right. And now these are some of the fit scenes that caused me the most trouble. <laughs> the torture scenes here. Um, <clears throat> just I don't know why. It's I love these characters so much. It's hard to hurt them ah <laughs> uh, um, yeah first it's uh, Hannah Jane Condell again <clears throat> repeating her role from last episode basically the same lines as the droning voice um, Mindy Raskinen as Emily 
and uh, Renee Christine Jones as socks. So, right, they've got some yeah, really good chemistry going here. So, um, where does, uh, do you also have trouble finding torture sound effects, or are those? I just I just have to get a lot more creative with, you know, what I can find. Um, like I think last episode I used a a dentist drill, which was very ear jattering, and I apologize for that. Um, <laughs> And this one is just like, okay, how can I mix that up a little bit? Just finding new ways to torture them. Uh, I mean, because I think here I'm using electricity more. Um, I think later I use a laser. So, um, yeah. Yeah, and um, I, uh, what was my point was uh, Emily has now separated socks and Zeph right. because she has very different plans for each of them whereas yes. in the last episode I think they were together in the right they were. the torture chamber so this is pro this is probably her um her worst torture chamber room Th that is the the least the least horrifying um perhaps and probably Zeph is in the he's got his own the, yeah. yeah the most horrifying but we'll find out about that later Exactly, and I use the. I've got a recurring theme I've been using under the socks hypnosis scenes. That little kind of music boxy thing. I, I found that for the last episode. I really enjoyed it, so I think I'm gonna kind of keep using it as an undertone for a while. Yeah, marvelous. All right, and now we're in the uh, in the lab where uh, Pythia and Proc are trying to recreate. I guess they're trying to recreate the uh, Tommy 2.0 experiment. It seems like yeah, some yeah, something like that. Mm -hmm. And of course, we got uh, Jason R. Wallace as Hebe, the uh, sentient android. Who I just love that character; it's a great character. <laughs> yes. uh, James Rossi as Proc, Cat Pride as Titia, Mike Winters as Captain Richards point three seven, as we're calling him in the script this time, and uh, Chris Bays as a uh, as a uh, Cass. Right, I. Um... Has uh, one of the things about the way I write, I write a lot of stuff and then have to like throw a bunch of it out. Right. So um, I'd also written a scene without Cassandra where Tithia, Proc, and Hebe argued about what to do next. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I took that out because of space and it wasn't really getting the plot very far forward. Well, that's okay. Sometimes you, know, you just gotta gotta delete to create more. Yeah, I think I used some of that somewhere, but um, can't remember exactly where. Um, so what about the high-tech sounds? The high-tech, again, that's just that's a blending of several different uh, beds and sound effects that I had. I think one of them is actually a music track, but it sounded electronic enough that I felt like it was just good as a good beepy-boopy background. Yeah. I thought that was you know, just a little added sound effect there. And, of course, you know, doors. You know, we, we, we go back and forth on doors in this universe. Some of them are regular doors. Some of them are swooshy doors. So. Right. And now we start to see the effects of Asa becoming the uh, most eligible bachelor at the Kingery. Um, as he's hit on by Ricardo, the waiter, played by uh, yeah. Richard Casto. Yeah, and Richard has added a lot of character to Ricardo, the waiter. He really has. He and a, a ex ex exceptional job there. And he's another guy that I know I'll always get a lot of ad-libs from. And so sometimes yeah. I'll work, try to work some of those in as I can. And of course, we've got uh, Tommy here, played by Pete Milan. Yeah. Um, I thought we needed several scenes of Asa dealing with his new popularity. Yeah, we do. It's kind of funny to see how he, how he handles it. So here's one. And um, 
I, the, the outline didn't say this, but I thought that probably Tommy has won the most eligible bachelor yeah, year after like. year in the past. So I tried to suggest that and suggest that Tommy may be sulking about not winning this year. Right. He's, he's trying not to show it too much, but, you know. Yeah. Of course, uh, we got a quick scene here where uh, Alicia Lane Pickens as Madeline Gray making her uh, season debut. Uh, she wasn't in the last episode, so we kind of get to hear from her a little bit and see what's going on there. She set up her return to the force, maybe. Yeah, and eventually, at the end of the scene, Brannis ends up really sort of begging for mm -hmm. Maddie yeah. to promise him to consider the job, yeah. and then there were other people asking for promises. Um, seemed to pop up throughout the script, and I considered using the title Promises, Promises, mm -hmm. but I thought that might get, get, get uh, confused with something else. Yeah, that's okay, it works out. Now I'm going to brag a bit about uh, this upcoming scene with the party girl because that's my wife uh, oh, playing the party man. girl as her her pendant debut. I've been threatening to use her for a while now during Tabula Rasa, but you know there aren't that many extra roles that come up in that. So this came up, and I was very happy to put her in and let Tommy, uh, you know, ogle her ass. Yes. <laughs> Good. Well, welcome Jennifer Norwood. Yes. Let me get a little more of the fallout here from, uh, from you know, Tommy dealing with uh, Asa being the man instead of himself. Yes, right. It seems like this are kind of nice because I'm actually getting to use, I'll say, normal sound effects for the most part, like a cafe or whatever, as opposed to having to build them for, for different right. scenes. Yeah. And so it's kind of a way to... Way to, you know, just, okay, I can do this a lot easier than having to add layers upon layers to get the right sound. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're back in uh, Zeph's torture chamber this time. Um, Emily's back. We've got Paul Brueggemann as Matthew the Torturer, or Matthew, and Brian Reed as Zeph. Yeah. Yeah, really, really nice. Uh, great scream laughing by Brian Reed. <laughs> yeah, he Wonderful did, performance. He did that a little too well. You got to yes. wonder you know, what's going on there. But um, but yes. I, I love how he how he's dealing with this. Which is he, he's having to to laugh his way through it, or he, or he's going to break. Yes. And you know that's what you got to do sometimes. Zeph always responds in unexpected ways. Mm -hmm. that's, why, that's why we love him. And pretty much sexualizes every situation. And again, that's why we love him. And and so here he's doing a little bit of overacting, which mm -hmm. I, I have to say that's not a problem that was indicated in the script. And and Brian is doing a fantastic job of uh, over overacting his um, his disappointment. And you got to wonder what uh, Matthew's wearing there because there's quite a few buckles mixed in there with his. <laughs> With yes. his coat, and so that was that was a fun little one to mix. You know, just some clothing. I think I just clanked some buck belt buckles together or whatever for that one. Yeah, it sounded very tortury, so that was good. <laughs> like all you need is the mask with the zipper on it to be perfect. That's right. <laughs> That's another episode, though. That sounds kind of Star Trek-y, I know. <laughs> but yeah, a little bit. 
So now we're going going on date night with Tommy and Maddie, and of yes. course they go to a shooting range. Of course, of course I mean, where else would they go? Yeah, yeah this is a, a fun scene to, to do because I mean, these two obviously have really good chemistry. You know, they even though I don't know if they've ever met, but I mean, they've been working off each other for years, so they they know how the other will respond or how how it sounds in their head, which makes it a lot easier, I'm sure, for them. Um, yeah. And this. This scene, I kind of did a little different thing. Um, I mixed down the dialogue and sound effects first, and then put an echo on that to add a whole effect to make it sound like a bigger room. Yeah. So. And there's the jump cut. Right. We go back to the lab. And I went back and forth on that, and I decided, eh, let's go for the shock value on that. There with um, killing yet another Richards. Right. We're rapidly getting a pile of them in the uh, back room there. Yep. But, you know, showing, you know, Cass doesn't care anymore. She just wants results. And we're seeing a, a much harsher side than we've seen from Cass in a while. I mean, she's been at least pretending to work with the family for most of the past couple seasons, and now she's uh, she lost it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I think she's always pretty much um, very, very concerned about her own her own well-being, her own um, position in the family and all that. And um, I didn't think we'd ever seen anybody hack off a hunk of proc to eat before. But no, we, he's, we, he's mentioned before that he's right. a delicacy, but... Um, uh, right, we've heard about it, but so that was what I came up with to uh, send a... indicate that Cass is going over the edge. Yeah, she's, she's ready to... To kick some ass and take some names here. Yeah. Uh, and that again, that's just. I tried a couple of different things, but in the end, I ended up finding a, a stabby sound that just sounded stabby and pulley and just perfect for that. Just. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, no, it sounded very, very good. Yeah. Uh, back to the shooting range here as we. Uh, as we start to, you know, work out a little bit more here with uh, what's in the future for them. And for the music on this, I knew I needed some kind of music under this, but for the longest time, I couldn't quite find it. And finally, I found just a couple little almost video game type tunes uh -huh. that I thought really kind of worked here for the situation. And then later when we get into the more serious part of the of the scene, it kind of transitions into that. So, um, of course, all this is uh, the great Ken McLeod. Uh Giving us, letting us use his music. It's fabulous. Yeah, yeah, marvelous. And so, of course, Tommy practices in an unconventional manner, and Maddie <laughs> shoots by the book like yeah. the ex-cop she is. And Tommy's either a, kind of a bad shot or a very, very, very good shot. And uh, we'll leave that to you to figure out. Mm -hmm. And the ricochets, that's another one that's kind of hard to find. And since I, I don't know how to fire a gun, I can't really replicate that myself. So I, I managed to finally find something that's like, okay, that, that works for that. Yeah. 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 And I, at one point, I'd considered having them be sort of uh, um, high tech sounds or, you know, technical, um, you know, electronic practice sounds. But I thought that um, if they were, you know, normal. Um, normal gun sounds, it would be easier for the audience to right. understand what's going on and, and for people to connect with. 
Um, the, the line on this is just great. That target's not going to have little targets. And Pete's marvelous delivery. Oh, yes. Yes. That was so great. And I think it's interesting how Maddie's uh, accent comes out more the more she uh, gets upset. Because she's normally mm-hmm. you know, got a fairly standard accent, American accent, and then as she gets madder and madder, her Brooklyn starts to come out a little more, and she's like, I'm going to kick your ass and shoot you in the nuts. So Sox has finally made it out of the torture chamber here. We, we, we. Um, yeah, it's 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 very jarring to know that's that socks, but now she's got the French accent. It's kind of like last season. Uh, spoiler alert: when she did the mistress, that's that's a testament right. to Renee's talent that she can do the accent so well like that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really fun to um, yeah to write to do that kind of stuff in audio because you know if you want somebody in disguise, all they have to do is a different voice mm-hmm. and most people who are interested in voice acting can do several different voices. Right. And so. then there's me who every voice sounds the same. But. <laughs> but. I, I think my favorite thing in the list there is the exploding ice cubes. That's... <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I can see how that would be a perfect weapon there. Actually. Yeah. But. Well, I, it's useful in some circumstances, yes. I'm sure. I Yeah, I thought she was just trying to make a list of all the crazy crazy nonsense that well, you've got normal stuff. weapons guns knives garrots and then exploding yeah. ice cubes like what yeah oh. <laughs> and now we get back to our old friend drunk Tommy um, so Anna and Venice is back yeah. from last uh, last episode also and played by Anna Rodriguez right? who I mentioned this to Jeffrey last time but she actually played a bartender last season too so that was kind of I guess the premiere of the character without a name you could say <laughs> funny how that works out yeah poor tommy he can't even really get hit on by venice anymore and that's just making him so sad yeah so he's uh, moping a little bit more about the most eligible award and she's really just humoring the boss trying to say the right thing right without getting your ass kicked by the boss's girlfriend some girls yeah. value their looks even more than the bliss they find in... oh stop 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 i withdraw the uh, and one thing I've, I've said before on Facebook and Twitter is that the more profanity uh, my actors use, the better chance I'll use an ad lib. I don't know why. I just I, I enjoy using that. I can get away with it in this show. <laughs> yes. Oh, and then who's this showing up? Well, that's Hooks. Oh, it's Hooks, and he of course breaks up the party. Oh, um, oh Hooks. Which is um, pretty much what he does anytime he enters a room. Yeah. Mm. Poor Hooks. He's been through so much over the past seasons. Some days it's going to work out for him, really. Yeah, Some sure. Days. You keep you keep thinking that. I think I recorded one line where his no no nos went on for quite a while longer than that. You know, I think you did. I think I I think I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like the callback there where Hooks is afraid that Tommy's just going to leave the Kingery again. Because that went so well last time. Yeah. It's calling back to it's earlier episodes and earlier seasons seems to be something that I'm always doing. That's okay. I'll, I'll, I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for continuity like that. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, before I started directing this, I went back and I just listened to the whole series from beginning to now to catch up. And 
it really is kind of neat how tight the continuity is overall. I mean, I you don't really notice too many slip-ups, which is great. Right. A lot of uh, network, you know, professional shows can't <laughs> can't say that. I really like this nice little tender scene here with Ricardo and Asa, even if it does take place in an alley in a dumpster. Yeah, I thought, well, you know, Asa has come such a long way since season one. Mm -hmm. Now he's in a dumpster with somebody else to keep him company. That's right, fine. And he's rich, and people want to kill him. Mm -hmm. So, and I and I love the performances of uh, Edward Herman and Ricardo, uh, Richard Casto as yeah, Ricardo and Asa. Right. And um, nice dumpster sounds, too, Dave. Yeah, Very I, good. I kind of have this image of him as like Oscar the Grouch kind of peeking his head out the, the door there for most of that, or just peeking up through the window or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And he does not, doesn't quite get out of it. Yeah. Oh. And here, here you are, Dave, here as Jawbone. Yes. Uh, yeah, I took over for uh, Late Chip Joel uh, beginning of last season. Um, that was a very awkward thing, actually, because... Uh, the script for this came out like I think three days after the news that he passed. He'd already agreed to be in this in this season and everything. Yeah. And um, Jerry wasn't even aware at the time that it had happened. Yeah. And so I had to tell him, and we're starting to panic because it's a pretty spoilery role. You know, right. Throw out an open casting call. So Jeffrey said, "Well, send me what you can do, and we'll, we'll see how it sounds. Maybe you should just do it." And so I sent it to him, and he approved of it. So it's not like I just, oh, I'm the director. I give myself the role. I did audition for this. Right. Oh, and oh, that hurts. So yeah, I was wanted to mention a touching family reunion is a phrase that was taken directly from a line of Jawbones in season one, and I reused it here trying to suggest that Jawbone was going to kidnap Tommy, mm -hmm. um, maybe. Maybe. And um, a couple of the writers really liked the line. Unbelievable! He's so stupid he forgot he was dead. Ah. <laughs> uh, and then the you know as Tommy's killing him, he's referring to events from season one. So, mm -hmm. as I mentioned before, that seemed to be my type of thing. And that's quite all right. This gives you a reason if you haven't listened to season one yet, go back and listen. Or if you need a refresher, go back and listen again. Once the right. is finished, of course. Speaking of finished, here we are in the credits, uh, read by Brian Reed. Um, hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, if you have any uh, questions or comments or whatever, uh, you can find us all over the internet uh, at Pendant Web on Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, PendantAudio.com. Uh, we've got a Tumblr. Um, you can get me on Twitter at, at Flaming Toilet. Um, Perry, he, he's got his thing, and that's okay. <laughs> but if you have anything to say to him, we'll make sure he gets the message. Um, yeah. I've yeah. got a comment. Huh? I've got a comment. You've got a comment. Thank you, Dave. Well, thank you, thank you, everybody who contributed. Mm -hmm. And the next episode is written by Pete Milan, so yes. be sure to check it out and see where the story goes from here. Mm -hmm. We've done a lot of setting up now. It's time to start doing a little payoff, I think. Yeah. So hopefully you'll, you'll stick around and, jo and uh, keep joining us. So we'll see you next month.